And welcome back to Bench Busted, a fantasy football podcast, I should say now. Normally it's a fantasy Premier League, but the Premier League's been and gone. We are waiting for the new season, but whilst we do wait for the new season, we are going to be talking about all things Euro 2020, 2021, whatever you want to call it. I'm your host for this week. My name is Jack and I am joined, as always... Bye, Nick. Nick, how are you doing this week? It's the eve of the Euros, Jack, and I am excited. I'm excited for football to return after what? It's been a week and a half since we last had football. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting, my skin feels like it's crawling with ants. I'm genuinely so excited to see some, um, some subpar football on my television every day, all day for the next sort of two weeks. Ah, oh, and then obviously some days after that. I can't wait, Jack. I, I am pumped that the excitement's immeasurable yeah i mean as you say you know it's been just over or or yeah as you say maybe a week two weeks since the champions league final but it has been about three weeks since the premier league finished and yeah as you say it's been a bit i want to say rough you know i don't want to sound like uh sort of compare it to us living on the streets as uh fpl fans and football fans in general but it has been a bit bland at times and and looking for entertainment on the weekend and, and stuff to be doing but yeah, you know, as you say, the Euro 2020 tournament was, of course, delayed from last year due to COVID. It's been rearranged into this summer and it starts tomorrow. The first game is tomorrow evening, Italy kicking off the tournament against Turkey and hopefully setting the stage for what should be a very, very good summer of football, hopefully. Oh, yeah. No, you said it. I'm, I'm actually... So, oh, I think it was very obvious in the introduction uh, that I'm pumped about it. It's been too long now since it's, it's actually, do you know what, Jack? It's the longest period of time in my life um, between two international tournaments because of COVID. And and I, I sort of, I, I thought I thought I took it for granted. I took international football for granted before, but I'm ready. I'm ready to see, and I'm going to ask you about this actually in a second. I'm ready to see England cock it up and go out in the group stage. I'm excited for that. I'm ready to see... A team that people said didn't didn't say anything about at the, at the start of the tournament go on to win it and everyone to pretend that they were big fans of that team all along. Oh yeah, Italy. Oh, I always knew they'd do well. Yeah, I predicted Italy. You know that sort of thing when everyone's already on the France train. Everyone thinks France are the are the dead. So I'm personally I'm just excited and the and the quality the level of quality in international football varies so much that if for example you're watching Russia you, you've got I can't remember his name is it Dzuba. They've got like a big man up front, the classic, that that sort of stuff It uh, versus like the possession-based teams, or the teams of flair or the counter-attacks or, or the really tiny countries, a bit like Iceland, who who hang on to beat giants like it, giants like him. <laughs> What's wrong with it? I love it. I love it so much. And um, I want to ask you, I want, to, I want to, to ask you your thoughts on the tournament as a whole, because obviously it's being played across the, the continent. That's a bit strange. Personally, I don't think it matters to me, but it means that some teams, England especially, if they actually get any distance into the tournament, have sporadic home games at various points. That's something I'm interested to hear your thoughts on. And also, the best place to start when talking about the tournament is England. They played two friendlies, which they scraped through 1-0. They didn't play their first team, and they've got a lot of weird stuff going on. There's a lot of content to talk about with England, and I thought I'd like to, to, to get your opinions on the tournaments, get your opinions on that first, because uh, where else to start, right? Best place to start. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about England's chances going into this tournament. Um, obviously, as an England fan, you like to be optimistic. Um, you know, the last time we were at an international tournament, we made it to the semi-finals, and everyone was bigging up Gareth Southgate and cheering him on and all of that stuff. You know, waistcoats were flying off the shelves in every store. I feel like maybe he's lost a bit of his touch since the last tournament. I think that England as a squad, we have got a lot of good young players coming through in the Premier League, across leagues in Europe as well. But always on the international stage, they just never really find the right combination to make the whole team click as a unit, really. I think with the likes of Maguire, I mean, I saw pictures of Maguire back in training now. I don't know if he'll be ready for the first game on Sunday against Croatia. But 
I feel like he definitely, you know, seeing him back in training definitely does give a boost to the defensive line. I know that he is prone to a mistake or two. Uh, certainly we have seen it this season or the season just gone with Manchester United. You know, he's not had an amazing season with them and he has made a mistake or two. But I think that he just makes us look so much more solid. I mean, there are questions about, you know, Henderson and, and, and whether or not he should have actually been included in the squad because, I mean, it's been a good three or four months since he last kicked the ball. I mean, he did come on as a substitute in their final warm-up game against Romania, which I guess is good to see, you know, him coming back and, and fighting for a place in that squad. And I think that Southgate does like to have him in the team as well. I, I feel like a lot of the time that England go into an international tournament like this, we always have so much expectation put on us uh, from fans uh, and, of course, from the media as well. And it certainly doesn't help when that happens. I think that that was maybe one of the things that actually helped us in the 2018 World Cup in Russia was the fact that, yeah, okay, so obviously you want England to do well, but it was always that sort of, there, there was never as much expectation in that tournament as compared to previous times we had competed on the international stage. I think that now, having made it to the semi-final, there was always going to be that added pressure. And as you say, with all of England's group games being played at Wembley, there will be a crowd hopefully in there, albeit at a much, much more reduced capacity. But I think that having that home advantage is certainly going to, you know, hopefully weigh in our favour. In terms of the English attack, I mean, it's a who's who of, as I say, European talent there. You've got Sancho plying his trade at Dortmund. You've got Bellingham as well, who's been fantastic at Dortmund as well. You know, you've got Foden, Mount, Grealish in there, Kane, of course, as well. I think that the attacking line is certainly where I feel like Southgate is going to experiment with it the most. Um, obviously, Trent Alexander-Arnold getting an injury in the uh, in the, in the friendlies has meant that uh, Ben White has got a call-up into the team, which I think that Southgate already knew that, you know, if a defender was going to get injured, he was always going to pick a defender to, to replace him. Um, I'm surprised it's, he's not gone with a right-back. I think that Ben White certainly offers a bit more utility because he has played a bit further forward in the past. If you look back at the days where he was uh, at Leeds, the season before last, when he was with Leeds in the Championship, he, on occasion, had been put into that central midfield role alongside the likes of Phillips. Um, so I think that there is a bit more utility with him. But yeah, I mean, England, you, you'd have to say on paper, we do have a favourable group. We've got Croatia in the first game, as I say. I think that that will definitely be the hardest game of the group, or certainly on paper, it, it, it looks like it's going to be the hardest game of the group stage for us. I'm not going to say that we're going to win the group, but you'd like to think that we would. Or there could be some, you know, tactical decisions to be made as to whether or not England actually want to win the group because of how it would mean their route to the final would be different as to if they actually finish second you know very much like in the World Cup three years ago we played Belgium in the final group game and I don't think either side wanted to win and who was it it was uh, Adnan Yanazai who scored it was a great goal to be fair but I don't think that Belgium were too happy with that because it did mean that they had a a harder route to progress to the final and, and subsequently they didn't make it so I mean who knows like I say I've got high hopes for England but I'm sort of uh, trying to be cautiously optimistic shall I say. I, I respect that I, I look at it through very very different lenses I guess where I think we couldn't have beaten Belgium if we'd tried I, I think that Southgate is a bit of a fraud where he he tends to try to copy whatever's popular at the moment. Thomas Tuchel's just won the Champions League playing five at the back. I think we'll switch to five at the back. And um, he's going to almost certainly swap a lot between four a flat back four and five at the back, which is terrifying because I think that, that if he committed to one, he'd struggle to get the team playing in a way that top managers do going between the two is is so I think it's quite a bad idea in such a short time frame with such a limited manager who has such a poor club record so I think that he's going to make a lot of mistakes like that and it's going to come down to the players that are literally the shining stars of our team so Harry Kane Mason Mount who remain in my fantasy team for that sort of reason I think we'll get out the group too but um, I'm actually a bit worried about Scotland. I think we played Scotland, I'm going to say recently, it could have been a couple of years ago. And I, I have a feeling it was like a 2-2 draw that was really feisty and a horrible crap game to watch. Scotland are better than they were then. I'm a bit more worried about just Scotland in general um, than I think other people are. And I think 
if we do lose, it'll be one of those you suddenly find out who is Scottish on your time. Everyone will be coming out with their, <laughs> well, my granddad's one quarter Scottish. <laughs> yeah, my granddad's Scottish. It doesn't mean I'm, I am, but um, that that will happen. You'll find out everyone who's Scottish on your on your Facebook feed, and it will be a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare for a couple of weeks until we at least sort of you know go out at the same stage as Scotland. Could be very very quickly because, as you alluded to, isn't it that if we come if we win our group, we face the team who come third best possibly from the group of death is that right is there there's an there's a there's a chance we end up facing someone from the group of death i think yeah so i think if we win we will play whoever finishes second in that group so it could be as you say i mean regardless you know you look at that group of death of course we are referring to group f with the likes of france germany portugal and 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 of course hungary in that group and i think we either play i think yeah for sure if we play if we finish top of our group, we play who is in second place in that group. And that could be one of three of those teams. And that certainly makes the route into the into the final a whole lot more difficult for us. Um, if we were to finish second, I think we play whoever finishes second in Spain's group. Or, you know, I mean, it could be Spain, could be Sweden, could be Poland. Or uh, it could even, I mean, it could even be Slovakia, who I think are in that group as well. So I don't really think that the players are going to be too bothered by whoever they have to face. I think that, you know, they, they know that they, like I said last time when we were talking about this, every team that's in the tournament, the the, the 24 teams that have qualified, have all done it on their own right. They, they've not gotten there by mistake, as it were. You know, even the likes of North Macedonia and Hungary have had to come through qualifying and, and make it into the tournament. So... They are 24 great teams, and I don't think that the opposition is going to phase any of the players in that England squad. Um, obviously, as I say, there are certainly situations that make it a bit more favourable for us to, to progress further in the tournament, but I don't think that any of the players are... Well, I'm hoping that none of the players are going to be looking at it from that sort of perspective, because I think that they just have to get their heads down and yeah, go out and play some expressive football. I think one thing that I didn't really like about the international friendlies certainly with England is you know these are the final two games before the the tournament you'd like to think that you would at least play close to if not your starting 11 I get it the Chelsea players and, and the Man City players hadn't joined back up with the squad or, or perhaps weren't as involved in in training you would have thought that you know the likes of Mount the likes of Foden Stones as well you know if Stones is going to have to play the first game without Maguire you'd like to have him in the team I don't know I think one thing that we should talk about as well, obviously, in terms of the global pandemic and, and everything that's happening at the moment, Spain have had, I think it's two confirmed cases now of COVID in their camp. And yeah, I mean, I, I believe it's Busquets uh, who has tested positive. I don't know who the second player is. I also believe that, well, as a result of that, it's meant that they were unable to play their first team in their final warm-up game before the tournament so we do have a bit less information as it were about that starting Spanish side going into match day one I think you know they have been training individually obviously but yeah it's just a again it's just showing us that Covid is still very much a, a thing and it's a presence in the world and you know it's it's great that they've got this tournament scheduled to go ahead and I think that the the, the Spanish game uh, against Sweden, I believe, in, in game week one or match day one, their first game is still going to go ahead. It's still scheduled to go ahead. It just means that perhaps the the squad might not be up to 100% speed with each other. I think one thing as well, just before we move on, touch on the England side and, and a player that we, you and I both love, Phil Foden. He's got himself a new haircut, hasn't he, Nick? Oh, he's got a Gaza haircut. I'm so happy you brought that up. <laughs> Gaza, of course, known for being a very, um, well, <laughs> known for being a good player. No, he's known for his performance at Italia 90. And that's what we're bringing now. That's what we're going to channel through Foden. And a bunch of middle-aged and old men in the UK are going to live their dreams through this one young, is he a teenager? No, he's not a teenager. He's 20-something now. Through this one young man who, oh gosh, it screams, amazing if we win, disaster slash scapegoat if we lose. And I'm all for that, Jack. I'm absolutely <laughs> for that. I also, actually, you, you mentioned Spain have COVID. Do you know who the other team are that um, have some, some COVID issues at the moment? It's actually Sweden. And there's a real chance that Sweden and Spain, 
if things go real tits up for them, end up neither of them end up and uh, being able to sort of field teams for that first game, which would be amazing, wouldn't it? I, I have no idea what would happen there, but I saw Ben Krellin, who never takes a day off, bless him. I saw him saying something about Sweden and Spain uh, on his Twitter. So one to keep an eye on. But uh, I, I'm still hopeful, and I've still got Ferran Torres in my team. I'm still hopeful and, and sort of positive that, that Spain, positive, that, that Spain will, will play um, on that note. I had not heard about the, the, the news uh, coming out of Sweden. So, I mean, that's very interesting to know. I mean, I, I have to admit, I don't currently have uh, any Swedish players. Yeah, for a second there, it sounded like you were like, oh, I've got to take out, I've got to take out all three of my Swedish players. <laughs> yeah, I got to completely just tear up my team as it is at the moment because it's just, uh, you know, I love the boys from Sweden, um, and uh, yeah, no, I just got to get rid of them. But no, as I say, I don't, I don't currently have any of the lads from from Sweden. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, uh, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but I guess you know them, them two playing against each other means that only one match would potentially be postponed and, and hopefully everything is uh sorted itself out by match day two but obviously you know that's a again just a stark reminder that covid is still very much a presence not just in europe but across the world and as i say i mean the organizers they've had to delay it a year and i don't you know they can't really delay it anymore um because of course next year we're meant to be having the uh, qatari world cup in 2022 so we'll see how that goes but yeah as i say we'll move on and you've mentioned some of the players in your team. I, I, I know that you have been doing tinkering with your squad, as have I, as have, I imagine, a lot of people. Uh, I guess one thing of a note that we should mention as well, the first game kicks off at 8 o'clock tomorrow evening between Turkey and Italy. And the interesting thing that's slightly different to FPL, of course, is that we will know the lineup for the... Italy side, we will know the lineup for the Turkey side before the deadline because the lineups get released an hour before the game kicks off and the deadline is at the same time as kickoff. So there are, you know, I imagine that you've got some Italian players in your team still. I certainly do. And I've got maybe one or two Turkey players in there as well. And and it will certainly allow us to, you know, maybe have a final tinker if the player that we thought would be starting isn't going to start. Um, I think the players from Italy that certainly fall into that category that we talked about last week was uh, Federico Chiesa and Domenico Berardi. I think last week you said you might have Chiesa in your team or he's certainly a player that you're looking at. Um, I don't know if that's still the case or, or run me through. What's your what's your players certainly for that opening fixture tomorrow evening? Yeah, no, I, I didn't actually have any Italian midfielders, but I do now. Um, okay. The, the thinking has been basically that I haven't made too many changes looking at it, I think. I've had a bit more of a focus on making sure I target game week one and game week three because I'm going to limitless in, in game week two. And um, I've been trying to identify, yeah, exactly this, which Italian midfielder, because I think they're all very good options um, I want I want in my team. So, so I, I've moved out Kevin De Bruyne because he's injured for the first game. The second game, I'll have my chip. The third game might not even be worth you know, might be, he might be a he might be a knockout stages sort of buy. Um, and I've been looking at it. I really like Berardi a lot. Um, I think he's quite good on, especially in international games, and he makes a very very strong case for for him being played over Chiesa. But I've not gone for either of them, Jack. I know about the deadline news, but I've gone for 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 Barella because I see Mason Mount as the Italian Barella. I see Barella as the English as the Italian Mason Mount. <laughs> I, I was really into him a long time ago when, when Conte was at Chelsea and Conte wanted him and the Chelsea board sort of weren't interested. He's obviously played with Conte this season and won a blinking title. I think he's the sort of player who's going to go a little bit under the radar. He isn't necessarily going to be forward in every attack, but he's going to provide so many good chances for the front three. And I think he'll probably play all of the minutes as well, whereas Chiesa and uh, Berardi, even if they start may come off and get substituted for each other. So I think he's worth it because he's at the same price point. And we're also thinking about a game now where there are no bonus points in this in this game. And it sort of makes assists a little bit more... Or it sort of devalues goals a little bit and makes assists a bit more valuable because goals usually get you the bonus points as well. So if you score a goal, you're also getting three bonus points. It ends up being worth like five more points and an assist or something mad like that. But here now... 
assists are worth worth three goals, worth five, and that's it. And that's the flat rate. And um, for that reason, I've been sort of looking at the players like Mount, like Barella, who are so high quality that they might actually get those assists. So he's staying in my team. I'm not going to make. I'm not going to move him for another another Italian midfielder, regardless of who starts. I think my, my pick is, is Barella. And obviously, I've still got Spinazzola. I've made some other moves where I've sort of spent the money on upgrading Selic to Depay because, again, I'm backing it Italy in that game. I, I, I don't want to spend my... Because it's one week, right? It's one week, almost two, where I, I'm targeting the good fixtures. Um, and, and I've also sort of made a couple of defensive changes. Uh, I've brought in Selic, who is just a bench option, really, and Kasper Schmeichel. And, and I've brought in one other defender, or I've made one other change that we'll talk about later in its entire piece because Jack, I'm very excited, and you've made the same move as me. So, so what what have you done? How are you approaching the Italian game? Because I know that you've definitely got your eye on an Italian midfielder. What are, what have your thoughts been, and, and how have you decided who you're picking? So last week I did have Chiesa in the side. Um, I also had Florenzi in the team, and I and I was of course on Gigi Donnarumma in between the sticks just because. You know, Italians are synonymous with their defensive setup and keeping clean sheets and and being very very tough to break down. I have changed all three of the Italian players actually. Um, so again, it's one of those ones where you look at it and you think, okay, well, I mentioned it last week. Donnarumma, I think he's in the game. What six million? I think he might be like the third highest, maybe even the highest selected goalkeeper in the game at the moment. But not to take anything away from him. He is a fantastic goalkeeper, but I do not think that that Italian defence is going to be leaky enough to the point where he is going to be called on to make a ton of saves. Certainly not very early on, I don't think. Um, you look at the group stage, yes, they got Turkey. I think that that Turkey game is going to be one of, if not their hardest games in the group. They then have Switzerland in match day two and Wales in match day three. So again, by playing limitless in match day two, if that's something that I decide to do, then you will, of course, skip the Switzerland game and go straight against uh, that that Wales side who really, as I said as well last week, I think if Gareth Bale doesn't turn up, then I think that that will be a walk in the park for for the Italian side, if I'm being completely honest. Um, So I have changed up all three of my Italian players. I had Florenzi. I've switched now to Benucci. Um, I know that you'll have very strong feelings about that because you are... I do, I do. I actually started shaking. (laughs) I know you are very, very uh, anti-centre-back uh, when it comes to fantasy football. I just think that when it comes to you know being nailed on in that squad, there are some players who I think are nailed in that side. Um, and I think that Benucci, certainly in that defence, is definitely one of the nailed players. I don't even think the likes of Florenzi and Spinozola are potentially nailed in that side. I know they are more than likely going to start the games, but I don't know if they're 100% nailed. But I know that Benucci is 100% nailed. I don't have Donnarumma in goal or in the team anymore. Um, my goalkeeper at the moment is currently Kasper Schmeichel. Again, fantastic player. Denmarker, again, a very solid defensive side. You play the limitless chip in, in match day two and you avoid the game against Belgium and then you have him back in match day three for the final group stage game against Russia, which again, Denmark could be in a position to to qualify second out of the group and, and try to give it everything in that game. And I mean, as could Russia as well. You know, maybe he will uh, pull out a... A fantastic performance in that one and, and see his side through into the knockout stages. And the midfield option that I've got at the moment, again, someone who I think is very much a nailed option, and that is Lorenzo Insigne. Oh, you have really gone for nailed options. I like that. Well, well, well this is it. I think not only is Insigne pretty much nailed in that side, but he's just, I mean, mate, he's playing out of position. He's a midfielder who scores goals. What more can you say? In, I mean, I know he gets forward, or I know he's a forward in that squad, and he absolutely loves scoring a goal um, and, and certainly has showed that in Serie A this season. But um, yeah, I mean, I just, I love the guy. What's, what's not to love about him? He's 10% owned. I mean, I know he's a bit pricey, 8.5. Uh, so yes, there are there cheaper options in that Italian midfield? Of course there are. Like we mentioned, Chiesa, Berardi. I mean, Barella is a fantastic option who I think, again, is being overlooked by a lot of people, including myself. I mean, he has... Been in and out of there, but I don't. I don't really want to triple up on on Italy so so early on in the tournament. I think that Italy are going to provide very good options, uh, certainly throughout the uh, knockout stages of the tournament. But yeah, I've gone with Insigne as I say. I mean, I know Immobile is is up there and potentially on penalties, but I do think it is between Immobile and and Insigne for for the penalty taker. 
I think that that Italian side, again, as I say, they've got a favourable group on paper. They could be tested by Turkey, but um, yeah, I just think now Italy, certainly the double up. Italian, I, I wanted to have at least one Italian defender. And if I didn't know which fullback was going to be starting on either side, I thought, you know what, I'll just go with someone who I think is going to be nailed on in, in that defensive line. So yeah, Benucci and Insigne for me. I do have Schellick still in the side. Obviously, with the Euro 2020 game, you can, as we mentioned last week, you can substitute and, and make changes to your side from your bench throughout the match there, as it were. So if Schellick, you know, maybe maybe it's Italy win 3-0 and Schellick does nothing and he gets like negative one point, I can always take him out for a defender or a different player uh, from my bench later on in the match day. So I'm not too worried about having him in there. I have set my team up, as I say, to have the players who are playing earlier on in the in the match day so that then I can potentially bring on some substitutes and you know hopefully capitalize on some more favorable fixtures as it were I, I don't know how similar my team is to the one that I talked about last week because I have I've been tinkering with it I have very much been tinkering with it you'll be you'll be surprised to know that I no longer have Kane in my side what wh- hang on a second one great point regarding putting players in at the right times because that's Something I was going to bring up as well. It's, it's it's a very important tactical thing to do is to have the players who play earlier on. But whoa, 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 who cares? You've got already Kane. Uh, you're a mad, you're a mad guy, Jack. What have you done? Why? I. <laughs> what is wrong? So I've 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 gone my my front attacking three or my attacking two at the moment is Lukaku and Depay. The player who is currently on the bench for me is Cristiano Ronaldo, and. I mean, the main, look, again, the main reason, main thinking behind that is if you look at England's group, as I mentioned earlier, arguably that Croatia game is the hardest game for England. If you just take it, it you know, if you look at it on paper, they beat us in the semi-final of the World Cup in 2018. I know that it's, you know, a Croatian side who is very much aging at the moment, but I do still think that they can pose a threat uh in terms of, you know, shutting us out. And I don't think that it's going to be a free-scoring game, certainly not for England. I mean, they lost 1-0 against Belgium um, and it was only 1-0. And uh, they they did put in a, a fairly good performance at the back there. So I think as well on their day, Croatia, as I say, can be a very difficult team to break down. So I'm not hedging my bets on Kane absolutely popping off in that game. And... I think that certainly with Ronaldo, you know, they've got the, he's got the favourable fixture against Hungary. What he also has on his side is that he is playing later on in the week. So he's playing on the final day of match day one. So it does give me the opportunity to, you know, again, bring him off the bench and turn a average week into a amazing week because Ronaldo on his day can be absolutely fantastic. And as I say, he's going up against the Hungary side who... I mean, I just think that Ronaldo and that Portuguese side in general can can do some damage there. So I'm I'm keeping my fingers and my toes crossed for him. There's absolutely no doubt that Kane will potentially come into the side. I mean, you've got your limitless chip, you've got your wild card. You, will, of course, do get transfers in between the game weeks or in in between the match days as well. So you do have a chance to you know change your squad uh, during the group stage. You get two free transfers per match day. I think obviously. Uh, well, in between match days, it's very much the same as uh, FPL. You can carry forward one transfer um, to towards the next match day. So I, I think from that point of view, if I look at my team, I could very much you know activate the limitless chip in match day two. Bring Kane in for the game against Scotland could be a good game for for Harry Kane to to score a couple of goals. And then you know going into the third match day, I can drop Cristiano Ronaldo if I want to. Because, of course, Portugal play against France. And it's a straight downgrade to Harry Kane. It, it saves me 0.5 and I can potentially use that 0.5 to, to upgrade somewhere else in my team. Or potentially, you know, make a few changes to the team for that final group stage game. Because who knows, some teams might already be qualified by the time we get to match day three. And it might be a potential opportunity for some rotation and some rest for a couple of the sides in the tournament. So I think I'm sort of keeping my options open. Um, and yeah, that's 
pretty much the reasoning why I've got Ronaldo in there over Kane. Oh my word! I, I love. It. I mean, you can't knock it, right? Ronaldo's Ronaldo, and it's, it's there's no words to describe the sort of impact he has, especially for his national team. Even when he's not on the pitch, he's almost forcing them to score, which is quite. If you remember the final from from five years ago, so big move, Jack. I actually love it because Harry Kane is probably one of the favourites for the Golden Boot. Um, well, in England, where more England fans are betting on him to do it, but. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I will say, and this is actually, I'm going to quiz you here, and I'm sorry to show you up. I know that you won't know the answer to this question, but if you do, I'll lose my absolute mind. Do you know that there's one team in this tournament who play all of their group games at home and play all of their group games at home to a full stadium? There's only one team where they will have a full stadium of fans. Uh, At the moment, at least, uh, that's the way it's it's looking it's going to go. Do you know who that team is? No. <laughs> it's Hungary. Hungary in the group of death play all three of their games at home to a full to a full stadium, which whew, I don't know what to make of it. But it's like a, it's a fact. We can do something with that fact, but it's um do you think the crowd will spur them on? Do you think that they could do you think they could do the impossible? Could they come third in that group and knock one of the Three best teams in the world out of the tournament? Probably not. It was more rhetorical that I didn't really expect an answer, but but like worth a thought, right? Worth worth a worth a think. And and actually, while we're on the subject of targeting Hungary and the group of death, I want to ask you, Jack. After I talked so highly about random German defenders last week, um, what move you've made this week towards a German defender? Because someone, no names, me. Might have also made the same move. <laughs> so, right, I'm, I'm, I have currently made this move, but I'm a bit up in the air about it because I can, you know, I, I, I can currently go for one or two players. I can currently either have Thomas Moynier in my team, who's not a German player. Of course, he plays for Belgium. He's the Belgian right back. Or I can go for none other than Robin Goosens, who is playing as left back for Germany or certainly playing as a... We'll say it. He's playing as a left wing back in that German side. He has been playing on the left hand side for Atalanta in the season just past as well. I think he scored something like seven goals in in Serie A this season. So he's uh, in the game as a defender, and Germany are very much looking like they're going to be employing a sort of three four three formation with the attacking wing backs, as it were, and certainly the likes of yeah, Gussens getting back and doing his defensive work. Maybe Klosterman on the other side as well. And I look at that German defence and I don't really see any other sort of out-and-out left-back in that side. And it definitely looks like he's going to be playing a bit more advanced further up the pitch. The one thing currently putting me off of him is just the fact that they play France in that first game weekend. Again, France, as you mentioned earlier, one of the favourites for the tournament. And I mean, that's not to say that Germany can't win that game because I think that if any side can, it's, it's Germany. But... I just think that that French side might have a bit too much firepower in their back pocket at the moment. So I'm currently on Moynier, but it is an option for sure, because I think that, as you say, Gussens is a one of those players that is, again, 1% owned. I mean, he's 5 million. So a lot of the defenders that we talk about are either 4.5 or, or 5.5. But I just think that, yeah, he comes in at that weird price point, 5 million. He looks like he's going to be starting. I mean, he started both of the friendly games over the last week or so. So he could be a very, very good option indeed. The Goosens is loose. The Goosens is loosens, mate. I rate <laughs> it so much. I um, I had similar thoughts to you, actually. Uh, the, the only option that, that can replace him is is, is Emery Cat, Chan, Can Emery Chan, who is actually listed in the game as a, as a defender, strangely enough. So it's happened. But um, I was watching Germany 2 and I was a big Klosterman. Klosterman, Fahn, but um, he didn't start against Latvia in their recent friendly. They won 7-1 with a bunch of different scorers. Uh, Nabry, who's actually left my team after a very short spell, <laughs> um, scored as well, which I liked. But uh, Kimmich, Kimmich, Joshua Kimmich has pl- played on the right instead. And I'm quite worried that they only have, if they play five at the back, they only have two spots in that sort of holding midfield position because they're going to go, well, they're going to go, it will look like a 3-4 three but it will really be that there's just two holding midfielders and then a three one up top right no no and a two one up top a lot of competition up there a lot of competition in the midfield because they've only got two spots and as a result Kimmich will push out to the right so that they can play Gundogan and Goretzka in the middle that's what I think is happening with Germany at the moment 
And I'm also sure that they're going to play five at the back because I'm not saying it's top trumps. I'm not saying that it's like this beats this. But historically, one of the best ways to beat uh, a flat back four, the sort of way that France play, is to play five at the back and to have men on, well, the big three threats from France, right, which will be Mbappe, Griezmann and um I almost called him Benteke, which which does Benteke a massive disservice because he's a far better player. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Benzema. Um, so I think I think it's almost certain that they'll play five at the back. And as a result, Jack, I'm all in on the goose too. The goose is loose. He's in my team. Um, he's on the bench as well for me at the moment because, as I said, I've rearranged it so that everyone who plays early is on the pitch and everyone who is basically Diego Jota, Goosens and, and Nago, who, frankly, he only plays as a sub. He's not a particularly great bench option. They're all they're all just sitting there firmly on the bench waiting for the final day. Um, I love it, Jack. I also did. I tell you that I brought in Kasper Schmeichel as well. Uh, I don't think you did, but I remember you mentioning it earlier just now. So the hive mind, the hive mind does it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried that our teams are going to look really similar. I think we've got four. I think we might have four of the same defenders and then a different Italian defender. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I mean, I think we've also definitely. I would like to say we've definitely got three same midfielders. Oh, would you? Hang on. This is huge <laughs> news for me. <laughs> have, you got, have you got Torres, Mount and Jota in midfield? Or are you counting Nego? No, 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 no. no. I've got Torres, Mount and... Uh... Oh, yeah, sorry. I forgot that you didn't have Insigne because you're just a, an idiot. <laughs> yeah, so, so you've taken a, a different sort of strategy where you're yeah. picking nailed players, which I think is good. Well, well, this is it. I think, again, you know, we talk about that England side. I think that Kane is definitely nailed. I mean, if England win their first two group games, I can see maybe if we're qualified by match day three and if we're looking like we're going to qualify top of the group. It's a favourable fixture against Czech Republic and I can see potentially Dominic Calvert-Lewin starting instead of Harry Kane in that instance. But I think you'd like to say that Kane is pretty much going to start all three group games because, I, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to be automatically in first or second in that group um, by the end of match day two. So I think that Kane is 100% nailed to start. You look at the other attacking options alongside him, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the likes of Sterling, Rashford, Foden, Grealish. Got all of these wonderful players, Sancho as well. Any number of those players have an opportunity to start, come off the bench, but it's it's very much more difficult to predict who's going to start out of those selected players um, I think certainly the midfield you're going to have one of either Rice or Phillips playing in there and then you're going to probably have the likes of Bellingham or, or Henderson on one side and I think that Mount on the other side is definitely one of the more nailed on players in that England midfield just because of the, the season that he's had with with Chelsea and, you know, he is just a fantastic player. He's cheaper than Foden, who, of course, I did have in my side last week when we were talking about this and, and sort of going through our initial squads. And I just think, yeah, I mean, he is one of, if not the highest owned midfielder in that England side, certainly in, in, in the Euro 2020 fantasy, 31% ownership, 7 million, as I say, is uh, he could be he could be an absolute steal at that price. Yeah, and quality always shines through, right? Especially in international games where everyone is a bit worse than they usually are because there's less link-up play. You're expecting the players who have the highest quality to, to push through and perform. So, Jack, love it. Back it. Let's just let's just have the same team and, and just maybe like one different player, right? <laughs> I actually wanted to mention as well because this is something that isn't known. It's not in the rules and it's something to consider for the tactics of the game that you play that um, price changes will happen, but which I didn't know about, similar to the Champions League fantasy game, they'll be made by the people who run the game um, and they will happen at the earliest by the end of the third game week. So there will be no price changes during the first three game weeks and then they will be manually changed at the end of the group stage. And it might not be the the suggestion, and this isn't something that's confirmed, this is just a suggestion, is that it will be in increments that are bigger than 0.1 if a player has performed well as well, or poorly, I guess, in the opposite direction. So it's something to think about because you do get, I think you get unlimited transfers at the end of that third game week, and you might want to make transfers as early as possible to bring in those performing, high-performing players uh, to, to, to sort of almost to try and make money on them, um, if that's the case. I, I can't quite remember when it is. 
But if it's not then, and if it's after the, the round of 16, there's also the opportunity to use a wild card there as well to make money. So, so keep an eye on that. I think tactically, you don't want to use your wild card early. You want to save it for that sort of opportunity, the opportunity to get in a lot of players just before the price is manually adjusted and to try and make some money on your team and to save money bringing in, because obviously the players who go up in price will be players that you'll probably want as well. And, and so to save money there as well, because you want to get in Lukaku, for example, or Kane. Let's use Kane as an example, because you won't own him come the end of game week three. You want to get in your Kane at 11.5 rather than 11.8 after he scored two hat-tricks, you know. So um, keep that in mind, and that should be part of what your planning involves. Um, if you, you should be looking to sort of make those moves before the prices change, if you think the prices are going to change in a way that, that hurts you, because it will just happen there will be very little warning about it which um my source for this by the way is a guy from the internet who apparently sent an email to the euro fantasy owners not a particularly stringent source but that's what i'm i'm rolling with that and i believe it i fully believe it you can choose whether you you want to believe it or, or not as well um i don't know did you know about that jack have you seen that one i yeah, no i wasn't aware of price changes happening in the Euro 2020 fantasy. Um, I mean, uh, you talk about Kane, as I mentioned earlier, you know, if I if I so feel like it, with that knowledge in mind, I mean, even before I knew about that, there was always the option to jump off of Ronaldo and go to Kane going into match day three. I'm not too I'm not too worried by, about it. What I am worried about, though, is, is you, not, you not owning the likes of David Alaba when he absolutely tears it up in the group stage and you're left thinking, why didn't I get on him at 5.5? I can't believe this is how you break the news to me that you've got Alaba. He plays in every position as well. He's like the only good player. (laughs) He plays in every possible position for them. And, and, oh gosh, you know what? Fair play. If if you, you go for that, man, you go for that. Limitless, match day two, avoid the Netherlands. And then come back into the team for the game against Ukraine. And he's got North Macedonia in the first game. Mate, what more do I want? Yeah, no, actually earlier as well. I I went, I I didn't want to correct you because I think it's a bit rude. But I did want to say North Macedonia have actually qualified in the clowniest way possible. Um, They didn't go through (laughs) the usual like qualification methods. They... (laughs) <laughs> they, they they like won their Group D in in the in the Nations League, yeah, Nations yep. League or something like that, right? And then and UEFA are just like, and we'll just have this crap team enter. But but North Macedonia aren't a crap team. They they beat Germany two one in a friendly recently. They they can defend and they can play football. So um, whew, what a wild card! I love that we've got a wild card entry in the Euros actually this year. I, I didn't mention that at the start, but that just tickles me in a, in a major way. And they're obviously not going to win it, Jack. Um. But who is? I'd oh, love to spring this on you. Who is going to win the Euros? Well, I mean, there, there, there are two ways to go about this. I think I think there are, you know, you can look at it from, okay, so look at it from the betting odds and, you know, who are the bookies' favourites, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the likes of France, Belgium, I mean, England are even up there to, to potentially go on and, and win the tournament. And I think that, you know, I, again, I'm going to be that sort of humble England fan as it were, and uh, not want to stick my neck out and say that we're going to win it or even try to remotely interest myself in putting some money on England winning. I am an England fan. I'm so used to being disappointed and let down at international tournaments. I mean, they can they can price us up whatever. I don't know how much money I would put on. I don't, I don't know what odds you'd have to give me for me to be enticed to put money on England to win because then I'd always have that overarching sense of just losing money because like I say you know you put £10 on England to win the Euros and what that means for someone who doesn't know anything about betting is that you're going to lose £10 <laughs> so I those are my feelings about England um, I, I think it very much look obviously it's a lot more it's, it's a lot easier to to predict when you have a look at how the draw for the round of 16 shapes out as we mentioned earlier England if they win their group they will play one of well we think that they will play one of France, Germany or Portugal. Maybe Hungary will surprise us all. Who knows? But it's looking likely that they'll play France, Germany or Portugal. All of those games, just they, they have to strike fear into the hearts of every England fan, I think. Um, if we finish second, as I mentioned earlier, I think we do go up against whoever finishes second in Group E. So, again, whether that be Poland, Sweden, could it be Spain... 
who knows either way i think england have got a, a relatively difficult path to to get into the final i think belgium certainly in my eyes one of the favorites to win it i i know that they've always sort of fallen down at the last hurdle when it comes to the international tournament but yeah i don't know i, I think belgium on their day if certainly if kdb is back and firing in all cylinders come the knockout stages then why not why can't belgium go on and win it um i think italy again have a very very good chance and again no one's i mean i think some people in certain circles are talking about italy um in, as in, in terms of you know potentially winning it i think that they've been fantastic under roberto Mangini, and in, to go through what they have gone through over the last uh, couple of years at international tournaments and, and not really living up to where where they were um certainly earlier on in the uh early 2000s where they were just brushing teams aside um seemingly so italy i think i've got a good chance i think yeah like i say the 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 group of death group f any of those three teams really have have any decent chance of winning it i mean if i had to stick my neck out and and tell you who i think is going to win it and try and predict the tournament i i think that belgium will probably win it Do you know what i think that's quite a brave thing there you know to say that belgium will win it you know the, the number one team in the world oh <laughs> 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 <All> what outsiders <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, who do you think are going to win it? Hungary? Well, I'm, no, I'm going to pick a team, I think, are they 12th or 13th? I think they're 12th. I think I'm going to pick a team who are ranked 12th in the world, actually, is my is my favourite for the tournament, or is my pick for the tournament, and that is uh, Germany. No chance, because I'm looking I'm looking at the tournament predictor that I've set up for myself, and we beat them in the round of 16, mate. <laughs> yes, we certainly will. Oh, man, that'll be exciting. <laughs> that means you, so you've given Germany better odds of, of coming second in the group. Than, um, than I guess whoever isn't best out of, of France or Portugal in your eyes. So I rate that. Back the goosens, mate. Goosens is the goose is loose. <laughs> That's the catchphrase coming up for this tournament for as long as Germany are in it. No, I'm 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 saying Germany. I think I think they are going to be a bit surprising to a lot of people. But it'll be as I said at the very start of the podcast. It'll be one of those things where if they do get to the final and play well. People will say, oh, well, who's new Germany would do well? Blah, blah, blah. They've got Muller and Havertz. And everyone knew that them, that, that Hummels and, ha- and Muller coming back into the team would blah, blah, blah. Give me a break. Give me a break. No one's predicting Germany except, except well, a lot of people are, but I am as well. And um, I don't know. I, I just fancy them. I, I think that there's a chance that obviously we know that Jürgen Lowe is on the way out. I think, and Hansi Flick is on the way in, who is... Um, a fantastic, data-driven, intelligent manager, as Germans are at the moment. There's been a big resurgence in German coaching over the last 10, 15 years where some real quality comes out of that country that other countries sort of follow suit in. And I've been saying quite recently that if you ain't German, you're losing, or if you ain't copying the Germans, you're losing. Um, They have some very interesting metrics, actually, they use for data analysis that I won't go into, like packing, which... In Germany, they talk about this concept of packing all the time. But anyway, and we don't know what it is. Basically, I like Germany. I think Hansi Flick might be working behind the scenes. I could talk about them all day long. I could actually talk about the way that the Germans approach football all day long, but I won't. They're my pick, and I and I think that they'll go very far. And do you know what, Jack? I would love England to knock them out of the tournament. I, it would make my absolute day, but... um. I'm realistic. <laughs> yeah. I don't think England are going to get past Scotland at the moment. Uh, no, I don't know. I, th- I think we've got a very good chance of, of course, making it out of our group. Um, you know, it's 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 a weird tournament as well because, as we say, you know, it's you obviously have your last place teams in each group. There, there are 24 teams and, you know, the, the six on the bottom of the group haven't got any chance of, of making it through. But if you do finish third in your group, if you are one of the four best placed third place sides in your group you do have a chance of making it into the round of 16 so there is certainly a chance there for any number of of the uh, best third place teams to make it into the knockout stages and potentially spring a few surprises i mean you know you look at the the, the groups as well and yeah there's certainly some very interesting groups i mean you have got a clear favorite i would say in, in, in all of the groups, you know, if you run down, you've got Group A with Italy in there. You've got Group B with Belgium, who you'd expect them to finish top of the group. Group C, Holland, the Netherlands rather, whichever way you want to refer to them. But they are looking like strong favourites in, in that group. 
Group D, of course, England, I think, might actually be, uh, yeah, probably one of the tougher groups aside from the group of death, because I think that, you know, Czech Republic in their own right are fantastic. Croatia, as I mentioned earlier, are, are a very good side as well, and they are a side who are often discounted and, and uh, you know, ruled out very, from the very early stages in these international tournaments. But I think that they, as I say, the likes of Modric, Perisic, uh, Rebic, they, they can all on their day, definitely cause us some problems. Um, group E as well, you've got Spain in there. And I think, again, as, as I say, really the only group that doesn't have a clear and obvious favourite to win the group is Group F with France, Germany and, and, and Portugal in there. It could certainly spice things up. Finishing third in the group doesn't guarantee anything. Obviously, it's an international tournament and I believe that goal difference doesn't play as much of an impact in this tournament. I... It's either this or the World Cup or both where they actually base it off of head-to-head if you finish on the same points. Am, am I right in thinking that or does this actually take into account the, the goals for and goals against? I honestly haven't got a clue. I'd wager goals goals scored or not goals, a goal difference, but but frankly, phew, never comes up, you know. As an England fan, as a cocky, arrogant England fan, it never... <laughs> Oh, I, I think certainly international tournaments, they do it a bit differently where, you know, if, so say if England were to draw against Croatia in the first game, then I don't think that benefits either of us. But I think that certainly if, if we were to beat Croatia and then lose one of our next two and then Croatia win their next two, I think that we would go through as the winners of the group based on the head-to-heads. But like I say, I'm not I'm not too sure on that. I mean, it could be goal difference, as you say, but I think that the head-to-head rule does apply here. Who knows? Um, but anyway, yeah, I think that, yeah, as I say, the the Group F as well. And, and what I think is certainly, just going back to our teams before we do close up, what I think is very interesting at the moment. I mean, yes, I've got Ronaldo in the team, but I think it's very interesting that we are, you, you've got Gussens, of course, you've got Gussens in your team. And I think it's very interesting that we are steering away from the players in the group of deaf teams certainly initially i imagine match day two when france take on hungary then we are probably going to be looking at trying to front load our teams with a bunch of the uh, french attacking assets so i think that that is very interesting that we you know despite them having three of the arguably the best teams in the world in that group we are sort of from a fantasy point of view just just sort of uh, treading carefully as it were in terms of the players from that team or from that group yeah no i'm rightfully so rightfully so well i think that that's a a perfect place to end it for this week nick thank you very much for joining me and of course we will be back same time next week uh to discuss all things from the first round of fixtures in the group stages of euro 2020 and of course you know we will be picking up on some of the matches from the second round of fixtures in match day two as well